Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. In my continuing quest to bring in blues from around the world, we now travel over to France, where we have an expat over there, Mr. Paul Cowley. Paul, are you well? Yes, I'm fine, thank you. Nice to be with you. Excellent. Uh, like I say, you're living over in France now, but originally you're from Sutton Coalfield, aren't you? Yeah, I'm uh, a Brummie, really. I'm born in, in, uh, on the northern side of Birmingham, but live most of my adult life in Sutton Coalfield. Right, right. So, I mean, there's a vague hint of an accent there. Uh, your music is described as somewhere between country, blues, folk and Americana. Do you accept that description of it, or would you define it more than that? Uh, really, um, my passion and um, where I come from and where it's all rooted is, is country blues. You know, rural blues, originally from, you know, the late 20s, 30s. You know, I'm not um, a sharecropper. (laughs) (laughs) My my music clearly um, is going to be a little bit different, you know, with my background, my culture. Um, And I've never tried to uh, sing and sound like a sharecropper or whatever. I've just, whilst having a deep love of the music, and uh, I'm thrilled to be able to play, I, I always feel what I do best is to use that and put my own spin on it, really. Nothing too clever or elaborate. It's just what I naturally do, you know. <laughs> well, you get plenty of praise for what you do do, so it can't be bad. But all this came about when you picked up a guitar for the first time in more than 20 years, fairly yeah. recently. So were you playing guitar in your youth and then just gave up on it? Well, it was. I had, um, aged 11, I had um, a, a classical guitar, Spanish guitar, and I went for lessons in Hansworth Wood, the place we lived at the time, and I used to go on a Thursday to see a man called Stan Upcott, who must be long gone now. And he was a, a fairly stuffy um, classical Spanish guitar player. Uh, I was a young, kind of lively 11-year-old. He just I loved the music. I loved the sound of a guitar, but I really didn't enjoy going to see Stan Upcott for these lessons. <laughs> he wasn't one of those that wrapped your knuckles if you got it wrong, was it? Not quite, but he was just like indifferent and bored with me, and I, I was sensitive to the fact that I was boring him, and it took a real turn-off, really. <laughs> well, yeah, it doesn't inspire confidence, does it, no? Um, it's, not the be- it's not the best teaching method. <laughs> so, so I... So I but what I did get was the ability, the, the rudiments to, you know, just hold the guitar, bit of technique, bit of posture, and um, I, I've, I've, all, I've still got that guitar to this day, but in my early teens, 13, 14, I used to um, try and learn, um, Cat Stevens was very popular at the time, T for the Tillerman and mm. Father and Son and that sort of stuff, and um, I got a, a songbook, a Cat Stevens songbook, and it... I, it wasn't a particularly um, detailed book, but it would show you the chords. So from that point, I was always able to play three chords and, you know, a bit of a song. And that's all and you I've need. always had that. But that's all you need, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, um, Chris Smithers' uncle gave him a guitar out of a loft and said, with uh, two chords, you can play what you want. And with three chords, you can conquer the world. <laughs> 
So, so I mean, was Cat Stevens the kind of thing you were listening to then in your youth? Early on, I've always had this, um, without being particularly aware of it, I've always liked um, singer-songwriters, the sound of an acoustic guitar. I love songs with a story to them. I've always been one of those people who actually um, listens to the words as well as the music. Um, I've often had a conversation with people about a song, and they say, well, I didn't know that was what he was about. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, so, so I suppose there was a, an inkling that I was that way inclined fairly young, really. Is that what drew so, you to blues music, with the, the storytelling and the, the honesty of the lyrics? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, these, these songs paint pictures, don't they? Yeah. So was there a, a eureka moment when you heard the track and thought, that's for me? <laughs> I'm disappointed not to be able to say straightforward, yes. But what it was, my my wife bought me Clapton Unplugged. I don't know if you remember that album. Oh, yeah. I'd grown up always interested in music. We used to go to lots of concerts. Um, in my youth, it was Dire Straits, Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, those sort of bands, you know. And then... I was self-employed, we bought houses, had a family, and really stopped playing the guitar until I was 40. And on Father's Day, one of the, when I was around about 40, my book wife, on behalf of the kids, bought Clapton Unplugged, put it on, and that, that was the eureka moment for me. Uh, right. These um, sort of fairly modern interpretations, but easy on the ear now, really. Yeah. Um, but a good introduction. It was. It really did... Um, it was like a light bulb going on. I played it, I don't know, for several years, this album. Yeah. And um, I then started to look at, um, well, who's Big Bill Brunsey? Who, who's this Robert Johnson? Um, you know, and that, I then started going backwards from that point. <laughs> yeah. In my notes, it says that someone gave you a, a Yamaha steel string guitar. Uh, yeah. Very that, generous of them, but that helped your desire nudged, to play. It nudged me along. It was... I believe in faith. I mean, um, my uncle John was a, uh, I don't know much about his music, but he was a fairly serious uh, jazz guitar player. Um, I can remember when I was young, F-hole, arch top guitars in the house. Um, most guitarists over a lifetime gather a few guitars around. Mm. And he'd recently died. And my mum visited my auntie Zoe, the widow, and said, Paul's become really fascinated by this uh, blues music, he's, you know, he's really, really taken up with it, you know. And Zoe said, "Take that, take the guitar up." And it was this Yamaha steel string, all at the same time. So it was as if it was probably meant to happen. <laughs> yeah. So uh, your style—that's more the finger-picking style, then. Yeah, I've always I let I started with uh, the alternating thumb. Uh, they call it Travis picking or whatever you want to call it, but yeah. I use my fingers and thumb. I've then sort of developed that. Uh, started to play a bit of slide guitar, and I, so really a fifty-fifty slide guitar uh, finger style blues, really. Yeah, and you say that once you you had that eureka moment, you started to investigate further. I mean, how far back do you go? Are you going right back to the the early days, nineteen twenties, that kind of stuff? I'll keep, I'm going backwards all the time. <laughs> I started, the, I've told this story before, but the first time I, oh, we have a place in Wales, a cottage, and we used to go on a Saturday uh, sometimes with the kids were fairly young to Porth Maddock. 
all, all year round, you know, so you get a Portomatic in the autumn or winter and there's not really a great deal going on. But there was this um, record shop called Cobb Records, old-fashioned um, glazed red door with a brass letter plate, you know, windy and rattling. Mm-hmm. Went in and there was a, a blue section which comprised maybe 20 CDs, I don't know. So I'll have a look, you know, see if I can see anything that r- rings any bells. Or, and I didn't really know anybody. Um, but in that set of CDs was a, um, a Lightning Hopkins CD called Coffee House Blues. And I literally bought it because he was a black guy. He got a, a hat on. He was uh, an acoustic guitar. He looked exactly, um, you know, the image that I had in my mind. <laughs> And I li- literally bought it because of the cover. I had no idea what the songs were, yeah. um, or even much about him, really. But put it on in the car. God, you know, he couldn't have picked a better one, really. Yeah. He got this fantastic voice, a style of playing that was not, uh, you know, a little bit modern in some respects. You yeah. know, um, stories telling about Mr. Charlie's mills burning down and all these sort of, you know. Telling his wife, if she don't behave herself, he, he won't buy her any more wigs and she can let her head go bald. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. I've said on numerous occasions, my introduction to the blues was somebody lending me an album of Sun House. And when yeah. I heard that, it was just so different to anything I'd heard before. It was just, what is this? And yeah. I love those kind of moments when you come across something, you just fall in love with them straight away. Literally, Lightning Hopkins led to, you know, oh, no, I bought a couple of um, gems, actually. This is, when I got interested in this, it was the early days of us all having computers. Um, cassettes were still in cars, and I bought um, two cassettes. One was called The Beauty of the Blues, and the other was called Blues Legends. It was the same um, publisher, I forget the name of it. But it was like each cassette had at least 20, a selection of old country blues you know all sorts of obscure people Mm. and that was a real good um introduction to a much broader you know appreciation of well just how diverse it all is and how different and rich really and to this day i just go back i'm still i'll find to come across a song or i'm amazed i mean on the new album i play it there's a charlie Patton song i mean i've never really listened to much of his stuff but it's a great song now i've learned it you know yeah well I need to go. I need to listen properly to him now. <laughs> <laughs> you moved from Birmingham, Southern Coalfield, over to Wales, like you said, and then you decided we're going to up sticks and we're going to move to France. Yeah, in a, in a nutshell, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're saying on this show that the blues is international. There's every country's got their own little blues scene. Is there yes. a blues scene where you're based? Uh, France generally has a. Um, a real appetite for for any kind of live music. Um, Brittany uh, is particularly strong. It's about like the UK. There are pockets of people, enthusiasts dotted about, um, you know, that make things happen, and and they sort of draw people towards them. Um, there's some great players out here. There aren't many that are doing like solo acoustic blues, one man guitar. Pre-COVID, you, there were plenty of venues that you could perform at then. Well, I've been working at it uh, for 10... We've been here 10 years, and it, it's been developing. The year that preceded COVID was the best year, and there were so many what appeared to be 
yeah. <laughs> altogether stopped. Um, numerous contacts have fallen to the wayside, you know, gone out of business, decided it's time to retire, whatever, mm. uh, in the UK and in France. And it's it's not quite start all over again, but it's. I think this year, particularly here in France, um, I'm going to struggle really. I had no. I had one gig um, a few months ago. I got one gig this year. Yeah, and I've now got. I think I've got twelve. Well, um, yeah, it's getting because I mean a lot of people are still very cautious. The venue yeah. managers they're cautious about reopening because they can put all their efforts into it, and then a sudden spike, and they've got to shut again. So you can it's look, understandable. Yeah, yeah, but uh, here. you mentioned nobody's committing themselves really. No. But there is light at the end of the tunnel, talking to people in various places. We've just got to go nice and steady. But yeah. you mentioned your new album, and this is your fourth album, isn't it? Yeah. And you recorded this at home, uh, recorded it from December of last year into January of this year. Yeah. And uh, it's been described as a celebration of your continuing musical adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a phrase that you coined, or did somebody come up with that one? No, it's mine, actually. It is, it's exactly what it is. I started this playing the guitar back in Sutton Coalfield, um, simply for pleasure. I, in a quest to pick up some of the required knowledge to play this specific style, I went to a local guy, music shop, long gone, and he was a really good player, and for the lessons... They didn't, I didn't have many lessons, but during the period of going to him, he said, uh, I wonder if you fancy um, starting a blues club. And through having the lessons in the little shop, I knew one or two other people, and there were, four of us took on this idea, and we formed a blues club called the Sutton Blues Collective. Acoustic blues, that was, that was an adventure in itself. We put lots of American artists on in 20 years ago. It was possible and much easier. Um met all sorts of um, wonderful characters and through throughout that process developed my own playing. We used to just do support slots, you know. Mm -hmm. We'd have like, I don't know, Guy Davis or someone like that and before he came on, somebody would be in rotation in the club selected to do three songs, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was great because you got a room full of people. You got your best three songs. Um in your repertoire all polished up and it was a good way of putting your foot in the water if you like it yeah. the water. from there it's just developed um started to do um you know trying at pub gigs in the uk um it's always been a battle because it's always been acoustic and more often than not venues they just say no yeah. <laughs> they don't even listen you know they we don't have blues and we don't have acoustic um so it's always been a, a struggle um, but it's just slowly developed. But this it, here in France is um, is a real adventure. It's an enormous country. The regions are so different. You know, I've, I play well pre-COVID. I was down on on, on the Swiss border, southern France, uh, Belgium. It, it's extremely different. Every one of those places, you know, the yeah. hospitality yeah. is great, and uh, I don't tire of. The travelling, you know, it's just an adventure. <laughs> yeah. Have Simply. guitar, will travel. Yes. <laughs> well, the, the album, Long Time Coming, um, it features seven original songs and five covers. Yeah. How hard was it to choose which covers to do? Um, 
not hard at all. I tend to, um, I've got a sort of repertoire that um, is is constantly uh, fluxing, if you like. It's like a conveyor belt, I think. <laughs> you know, as a new song comes on the conveyor belt, an old song drops off the other end, and you know, I don't sort of consciously do that, but um, to keep my own interest, again, it's natural, not considered or deliberate. I'm sort of constantly, well, I like that, that you know, learning a new song or finding something that I like. or And then when it comes to the album, um, it's finding a group of songs that are dynamically interesting. You know, it's no good to do, to, well, for me anyway, 12, 12 bar blues shuffle, you know. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it needs to have some interest. So uh, there's a little bit of, um, you know, I look for a different feel and tempo in, in 10 to 12 songs. Well, in the notes, it says that the song selection and even the track order has remained unchanged from the outset. So you knew what you wanted to do, and you just went in there and did it. So would yeah, it be fair sure. to say this is a fair representation of you live? Yes. I'm doing a concert on uh, Saturday here, um, and I'm playing the well straight off. The first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel because of COVID, there's been such a, a break to pick up the old sets that I was doing, you know, over 12 months ago mm. and just start again with the same stuff. I feel I feel inclined and I'm going to be doing new stuff. I want new, fresh sets with a bit of new excitement and energy for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another way that you've embraced that live feel in the recording process is that most of them were done in one take, weren't they? Yeah. So was it just um, stick the mic in the middle of the room and just sit there and play as if you were in the corner of a pub or something? Um, in terms of the playing, yes, but I, I, I've i got a studio in the barn across from the house here upstairs. It's um, it's a lovely little room with um, lovely old uh, traditional materials, you know, stone walls, oak roof, slate roof covering, and it sounds great, naturally. Um, and over a period of time, I'm not particularly technical, but I've... Um, just by learning as I go along, found out how to get the best out of the room, you know, by mm. positioning where I play and the, the direction in which I play. But I'm not very technical when it comes to studio, uh, you know, mics, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So I tend to use more mics than are necessary <laughs> to be safe. <laughs> it's a bit of a bizarre way of going on. Well, um, it gives it that ambience. <laughs> So what I do, I do the recording myself, and I'm, I really like that because I'm in, uninhibited. It's just me. I don't care what. There's nobody there that I need to worry about, whether they're getting bored or whatever. Mm. Being, being your own uh, recording engineer and producer and distributor, there's no pressure on you from up on high. You've got to get the album yeah. out on such and such a date. You do it at your pace. I do, yeah. And I, over the... Every time I've done an album, I look straight away back at it and think, well, I wish I could do that again. <laughs> but I'm actually quite pleased with this one, as it is. I've learnt over the other three. But I, I take it to a friend, Pascal, who's he's the opposite of me. He's totally technical. He loves you know, any technical problem. And he's a fantastic mixing engineer, mixing and mastering. Um, and I touch wood and thank... God or whoever that I met him, you know, because he's he's perfect for me. Yeah. Um, you say you're getting a few gigs now and you're penciling a few in. 
Um, yeah. Are you concentrating on them, or are you looking to the next recording? Um, I've actually had, um, because of this period, I've played an awful, by my standards, a lot of guitar over the last 12 months. I feel I'm playing well, <laughs> by my standards. Um I'm concentrating to try and get some gigs through the summer, but I've had a, a sort of fairly fruitful, without any uh, great uh, plan, I've been uh, coming up with some new songs. But I think just naturally, every 18 months to two years seems to be the natural gap between the albums. Yeah. And I, so, I shall certainly leave it, um, I don't know exactly, but probably 12 months at least. Yeah. I find that the winter, winter here is a very productive period creatively because it's very still the wet you know there's more time there's less yeah. pressure uh, we run a small um, note business here which is just becoming busy the more stressful life is the less creative you are yeah okay well i'd so, say the the album's just come out you finished recording it back in january so yeah. you've still got to promote that and you're getting the gigs in so um maybe in 12 months time we can talk about the next album Absolutely, with pleasure. <laughs> well, I've got a few few dates penciled in in the UK for next March, February, March. Oh right, um, right. So I'm going to concentrate on that as well. Um, I abandoned the the UK this year for the obvious reason. Yeah, but I thought I would it would give me time to put in place a few things that were cancelled because of COVID. Um, you know, and just try and put a tour together for the early part of next year. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and thank you for getting in touch with me. Um, it's been a joy, and I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. Not a problem. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there, and there will be more as we record more for the show, and we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So, plenty more to come. And, of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.